suspended from playing the game. Well, Hugh Jennings, the manager of his Tigers, gave way to Cobb's teammates who said they wouldn't play unless Cobb was allowed to suit up and play too. So he pulled the Tigers off the field for a day. Jennings hired the baseball team from nearby St. Joseph's College to play in place of the Detroit Tigers. It was not to say the least a good day for the Tigers. St. Joseph's pitcher Aloysius Travers was pounded by the Philadelphia A's 24-2. Travers gave up all 24 runs. That is a single-game record. 1942, David Harding, Counterspy, was heard on the NBC Blue Network. For the first time, the program enjoyed a long run on radio, about 15 years. 1953, the first woman to fly faster than the speed of sound, Jacqueline Cochran, piloted an F-86 Sabre jet over California this day. And 1980, more than 9,600 feet in height, Mount St. Helens had been quiet for 93 years, but it blew its top on this May 18th. The volcanic blast was 500 times more powerful than the atomic bomb that leveled Hiroshima. That's a look at Today in History along with Mike Martini. I'm George Zahn for 89.3 FM WMKV. And thank you, George. And traffic right now, uh, that disabled on the Brent Spence Bridge has been moved out of the way. So traffic is again flowing through uh, that part of 71, or 75, 71 northbound. So that's good news. No other disabled or accidents to report, but we do have backups north 71 between the lateral and Pfeiffer. South 71, some backups around Reading off and on down to the Lytle Tunnel. Over on 75, a few uh, backups around Mitchell up through Paddock, and again, South 75 at the bridge, and in Kentucky in the Cut in the Hill southbound, a few uh, uh, spots there. Your weather forecast this evening, cloudy skies, a 40% chance of an additional shower this evening, a low of 52. For tomorrow, cloudy with some showers possible, a 30% chance, and that's mainly in the afternoon hours tomorrow, a high of 68. Friday looks pretty decent, at least it will, it's supposed to be dry anyway. Cloudy skies, but a high of 75. And then Saturday, partly cloudy with just a slight chance of an afternoon shower, a high around 80 degrees, a uh, better chance of rain on Sunday. Right now, though, we are right around 59 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Stay tuned for Real Life Real Estate Investing coming up after this. Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859 292 7342. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. This is actually Jim Shapiro filling in for Vena Jones-Cox today. Vena is uh, teaching a, a seminar in beautiful New Jersey, 
And she asked me to fill in for her, as I've done a few times in the past, and it's always been a fun show. I'm very excited to be here today. Uh, I am a local investor. I work with Vina. She's actually my broker. I'm a realtor. Uh, she's been my mentor. She's taught me tons of things. I've been working with her for, God, it's going on eight years now. So it's been a, always, a, always a great pleasure, uh, and I'm happy to be here today. Uh, our topic today is a very important topic for anyone involved with real estate, buying and selling real estate, and it's how to inspect properties. It's impossible to make good decisions about a real estate opportunity, buying a house, uh, buying an investment property, buying a property to, to resell or to, to hold as rental, or for whatever purposes you're buying, if you don't really understand what you're getting into. And a key to being able to do that is being able to inspect the property property effectively. And this afternoon, I have with me here in the studio a gentleman named Ferd Flick. Ferd is a uh, real estate investor. He's a member of the board of Cincinnati RIA, and he's also an experienced home investor. And he's going to talk to us today about the process of doing an initial inspection, what, it, what for you should look for in a home inspector, what you should look for to learn about inspections to do your own. Uh, and until you're able to do your own inspections, it's impossible to really make good decisions about a property. And, and we recommend, uh, conventional wisdom is you should use a home inspector. So, Ferd, welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Thank you, Jim. It's good to be here today. So tell me, Ferd, what do you think are some of the key things that our, our audience should be looking for when doing an initial inspection on a piece of real estate? Uh, initially... I would suggest that a person get a general feel for the entire house, walk around the outside, not looking for anything in particular, and tour the inside with the same point in mind. After that is done, then key in on some issues that you uh, would use, look at, uh, and I recommend a checklist. Uh, a checklist would make sure you don't miss any of the major parts of a house. Things like foundation, the exterior, we want to find out how water is controlled, or of course not controlled. We're looking for <laughs> water problems or signs of water problems. Uh, stand back from the house, look at the roof. You want to check out the mechanicals. If you can turn them on and operate the mechanicals, that's good. When you say the mechanicals, what are you referring to? Mechanicals would be the heating and air conditioning. Uh, be, be uh, aware, though, too, that if it is wintertime, you don't want to turn the air conditioner on. If it is summertime, you don't want to turn a heat pump on in a heating mode. You want to operate these systems in the season that they're in the way that they're, they're designed for. Uh, check for safety issues and check for obvious non-professional work, uh, which most of us can tell non-professional work. It's uh, plumbing that looks artistic rather than functional, electric wires hanging <laughs> from the rafters and people hanging their clothes clothes on, clothes on it. Okay. Yeah, I've also, well, any of us that have looked at a lot of houses have seen a lot of unprofessional work. And it's always a, uh, uh, a concern when I start seeing, you know, open junction boxes, wires hanging loose, uh, patchwork that's obviously done by someone who wasn't quite... Uh, working to code, let's say. What about, uh, now when you mentioned systems, you mentioned the heat and, and cooling. 
What about electric and plumbing? Would you call those systems that you need to be careful of as well? Yeah, absolutely. Those are all systems. I didn't run down the whole list. Okay. In fact, while I'm thinking of it, if you are interested in getting a list of the uh, checklist for a house, they are available to RIA members uh, on the RIA website. Okay, good. I know I got a list when I first started, a checklist I use when I go through a house, and it lists all the different parts of the house, the systems, the rooms, the paint, the walls, the flooring, and then I it has a, a place where I put in what I estimate the price to, to do the work. But I've done you know, a few hundred of these. I know when I first started, I, I used a home inspector for several inspections. So one of the things I always see on you know the property disclosure forms and other places are uh, lead, mold, asbestos, and radon. How big are those issues when you're doing a home inspection? All four of these are important concerns. Uh, I'll take first of all lead. Uh, lead is now regulated by the EPA. The concern is the presence of lead in primarily paint. If you are buying a property that is older than 1978, chances are that there is lead, and the older the property, the higher the chance for lead. Uh, lead is harmful for especially kids. Uh, if it is, if work is to be done in a property that has lead-based paint, it must be done to APA protocol, and it must be done by a certified uh, lead-safe renovator. Uh, do you see much with asbestos? Is that still an issue very commonly? Asbestos has kind of taken a back seat to lead, it seems, uh, in the past couple of years. Uh, you might, you would look for asbestos in the house. You might look for it on old heating ducts, old heating pipes, on old boilers. Uh, you might see it in the asbestos cement siding on a house, on some of the old houses. It's about an eighth of an inch thick product. It's real brittle. Many times you'll see it cracked and broken. Sometimes there is asbestos shingles on a house. Um, so you now asbestos, you can look at something that you suspect being asbestos, but until it's observed under a microscope in a laboratory, we can't determine for sure if it's lead, or I mean asbestos. Okay. Now let's talk about water. We've just come through in Cincinnati, uh, the wettest April in recorded history, and very, very wet all year. What what are the issues people should look at for water in basements? How concerned are you about that? How widespread is that in, in our area? And Well, some areas have solved the problem completely. They don't build basements. <laughs> uh, but in our area, we have quite a few basements. Basements are the rule rather than the exception. Uh, when we're looking at a basement, look for things such as stains, water stains on the foundation on the inside. Look for any white powdery residue called efflorescence. Uh, of course, look for water itself. Just recently, I was doing an inspection in a property in the western side of town. And we were walking through the basement with the customer. We spent about 10, 15 minutes down there already. And I was just ready to comment, this seems like a nice dry basement considering that it's been raining like crazy for the past couple of weeks. Uh, no sooner than I said that, I noticed water at my feet. So at that, at that moment, almost to the minute, water started leaking through the basement. 
Wow. Good timing. Excellent. Yes. Someone could have walked out of that, thought the house was dry. Well, we're about to uh, take a quick break, so we'll be back in a few minutes. Support comes from Charles Vonderhaar CPA. For 33 years, Charles Vonderhaar has been providing a wide variety of accounting, tax, and financial management services tailored to meet the needs of both individuals and businesses. His firm also offers personal services for clients in the following areas, individuals, small business, real estate investors, retirees, and trusts. More information about Charles Vonderhaar CPA at 513-563-0598 or at vonderhaarcpa.com. And checking on traffic right now, no accidents, no disabled. They did get that disabled off the Brent Spence Bridge, so that's good. We just have delays in the usual spots, including North 75 at Mitchell and South 75 at the bridge. Your weather forecast tonight, cloudy skies, a 40% chance of more rain this evening, a low around 52 degrees. Tomorrow, a 30% chance of rain, but mainly in the afternoon hours, otherwise cloudy and a high of 68. Friday, cloudy and dry, a high around 75. Saturday, dry for the most part with some cloudy skies and a chance of a late-day shower, a better chance of rain on Sunday, highs on Sunday around 80. Right now we are 59 here at 89.3 WMKV. Hi, and welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. This is Jim Shapiro filling in for Vena Jones-Cox. I'm here today with Ferd Flick, uh, an experienced home investor. Before we start Again, on our topic of home investing, I want to remind people of a couple of key things. Uh, the Real Estate Investor Association every year has a vendor night, and tomorrow night is our annual vendor night. We usually get, oh, five, 600 people coming out to that meeting. We've got, I'm not sure, 30, 40 vendors will be there, maybe more. Uh, we're out at the receptions in Loveland. It runs from 6 to 9 p.m., although... Um, I would get there earlier during the first part of the evening. There's a lot of uh, giveaways and and uh, drawings, so come between six and eight and uh, meet some wonderful vendors. Network with a lot of other investors, and uh, six six to nine tomorrow at receptions in Loveland. Uh, secondly, uh, our guest today, Ferd Flick, is going to be the speaker at the RIA meeting at the Community Action Agency in Bond Hill on Reading Road. Uh, he is speaking at the June 2nd meeting, so if you would like to come and learn more about real estate investing and home inspections and uh, become a part of our organization, please join us on June 2nd. Uh, and you can go for information about RIA at the Cincinnati RIA website at www.cincinnatiria.com. So let me ask you, Ferd, are there uh, problems in a property that are so expensive or so complicated to correct that you wouldn't even recommend making an offer? Well, uh, personally, as an investor, I look at a property, and, of course, I have dollars in my head, how much will it cost to fix something. If the cost to fix a house, rehab a house, is more than I can get for it, that's including profit out of the, uh, out of the uh, deal, uh, I'm not going to buy it. In addition to cost... There are other things a person might look at uh, to determine if they're going to buy a particular property. Uh, some investors will take on structural problems. That doesn't scare them. They'll fix a foundation that's uh, bowing or buckling. Some inspectors will, will not want to deal with structural problems. Some will accept mechanical problems, though. They might, want to re they, they might be willing to deal with an uh, a air conditioning replacement, upgrade an electrical panel box, uh, a new furnace, 
a new boiler, for instance. And other, inspect, uh, uh, other investors may only wish to deal with cosmetic issues. That would mean replacing carpet, uh, painting, some plaster patching, possibly replacing windows. So in addition, not only do we have to consider cost, but how much of the work is a person willing to take on uh, on their investment? At what point should someone consider bringing in a, an experienced professional home inspector? Uh, Jim, uh, typically a person is going to look at uh, several properties. Uh, they're going to determine which property or properties they wish to purchase. They'll need to agree with the seller on a, uh, on a price in, in terms. This would have to be written up in a contract. Once the contract is written up and accepted by all parties, uh, then it's time to consider getting the home inspector. They would call a person like myself, and uh, we'd agree to a time to go out and look at the property. Uh, some things I recommend that a person do is, number one, be present at the inspection. Although we do provide a written report with photographs and comments, there's a lot more information that you can get from a home inspection if you attend the inspection. For instance, you can ask questions. Well, that's a good point. I know I've had people say, do I need to be there at an inspection? And in my experience, I'm following that inspector around. I'm asking questions. I'm getting an education because this is my chance to follow around a pro like you and pick your brain. Is, do you agree? Is that something you expect people to be doing? I prefer a person be at the inspection and follow me around and ask questions. Uh, that's better for me, and it's better for the person buying a house. And eventually, after you've attended a few home inspections, you may be more confident to do the inspection yourself after maybe five, ten or so uh, homes that you've purchased. All right. Uh, what sort of inspections? So you mentioned we really aren't going to bring in a home inspector because we're going to pay for a home inspector like yourself. We're probably not going to bring you in until we actually have a contract and we're really ready to proceed on a property. If we look at 20 properties before making an offer, we're not going to use an inspector. At, at, at what point you know, in our contract, what, what should we be putting in that contract that we want? Okay. Well, first of all, I'd love for you to call me for every time you look at a house. <laughs> yeah. But, no. yeah. but uh, uh, realistically, after the contract is signed, there would be a uh, contingency in there to allow uh, home inspections. Uh, in the realtor contract, there is a, a, a list of things that you could select for uh, home inspection, heating. Uh, the contract pretty well leaves it up to just about any kind of inspection that you're willing to, to have. The buyer is the one paying for the inspection. Uh, you may want to do a whole house inspection, which is what I do. You may want to do specialized inspections such as radon lead, asbestos, uh, mold, uh, and I always recommend termite inspections. Now, do you do termite inspections yourself? Personally, I don't do them myself. I do have contractors who do them with me, but okay. not myself. All right. Uh, let's see. What, what should we expect from a home inspector in terms of your qualifications and, and what you're going to do, and, and what kind of costs should we expect? Okay, the easiest one first is cost. Uh, cost will be $300 uh, and on up for a home inspection. Uh, most houses are in a $300 range. Uh, as far as qualifications, uh, look at a home inspector as, as far as how long have they been in business, 
how many houses they have they inspected. I've been in business since 1990. I've done well, many thousands of inspections. Um, so, you know, and also get uh, referrals if you can from other people who have used the inspector. Probably the best way to go about finding an inspector. Okay. Um, are there a certification process that home inspectors have, and, and is it required? What's the rules about that in Ohio and it, other states? Well, uh, Kentucky and Indiana both require their own licensing, and that has gotten to be more and more prevalent throughout the United States. Ohio currently does not require licensing, and, you know, there's good points and bad points about that. Uh, sometimes a licensing, if it's it's a very poorly written, may be an easy way for an unqualified person to get qualified, in quotation marks, and uh, get some uh, some business because of that. Uh, in Ohio, since there's no licensing, you, you need to interview the inspector. Uh, what past jobs, past uh, clients is the best way, how long they've been in business. Okay. Is there a... There's a national inspector certification, or there's some certification inspectors have. Is that yeah. right? You're probably thinking of ASHI, A-S-H-I, American Society of Home Inspectors, is one of the, uh, and it would be the leading home inspector organization uh, in existence. It's, it's probably the first, founded in 1976, and A-S-H-I, yes. Are, are you a, okay, Uh I've used a few different home inspectors, and, and some of them, when when they get done, you know, they'll give me different things. What should I expect from a home inspector at the end of my inspection? When I'm finished with a home inspection, I give the person a verbal report at the site. Uh, I like to go back to the office and write up my report. That gives me a chance to review my notes, uh, to add things, uh, to explain further, to add photographs. I like to have time to think about it, okay. dwell on it a little bit, so I don't miss something. I, okay. And what do you what do you give them at that point? What sort of a report? The the report is generally about fifteen, sixteen, seventeen pages. Uh, it summarizes the things we did in the inspection, the mechanicals, the electrical, the uh, plumbing system, the roof, the structure, um, general interior, exterior, built-in appliances, and and, and other items. So you pretty much cover everything you saw in a written format. Correct. Correct. Okay. Uh, what should we not expect from the home inspector? Well, home inspector is, is a generalist, just like you go to a family doctor to, if you don't feel well or have something suspected wrong with you, the doctor is going to look at you and send you to a specialist. We do a similar thing. If we see a possible foundation problem, structural problem, we will refer you to get a uh, structural inspection. Uh, could be a radon inspection, uh, electrical inspection, for instance, if we suspect something seriously wrong. Okay. Now, what about when people start asking you, what do you think it's going to take to fix that? What do you think it's going to take to fix that? Are repair estimates something that home inspectors will typically be able to provide? Uh, generally, a home inspector doesn't provide repair cost estimates. Uh, it's not part. It's not part of my report. However, for an investor, if they're going through with me, I will give them. If I know the answer, a general 
cost of replacing a furnace, for instance, uh, getting a structural evaluation or repairing a structural problem. Okay. What about, uh, well, are there things that that aren't on a report that maybe, you know, someone should, should be looking to say, hey, I know this isn't, you know, in your report. Are, are there special areas that people really should look to delve deeper into when they've got the opportunity to ask their inspector? Well, I always recommend a termite inspection. Uh, that's not part of a home inspection. Uh, most every time we find electrical defects in a house, that's probably because people figure electrical repairs are easy, simple to do. Well, they may be to some extent, but they are easy to do wrong for the most part. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that. Okay. So at that point, if you see something that looks kind of wrong in electric, you'll say bring in an electrician and have them check that out or plan that in their budget for the rehab? Yes, I'll, I'll summarize what the electrical repairs are that I see. And an electrician, I would recommend always have an electrician do the repairs and specify electrical electrical inspection, electrical repairs by an electrician, qualified electrician. Are there any topics that you see missed a lot, you know, that you'll see investors miss when they're doing inspections and that you really try to focus on to make sure they don't they don't miss those things? Well, electrical, many times. I've been through houses after an uh, investor had it rehabbed, and some of the simple things like getting an uh, electrical tester, one of the three-pronged plug-in things that cost about $10, $15 at the hardware store, plug them in and make sure that the three-hole outlets are properly wired. Many times we find out the reverse polarity, the grounding isn't connected, or some other defects with the uh, electrical. Uh, so that's one item is electrical. Stairs and steps is many times missed. Uh, stairs is a safety issue. People fall on stairs, get hurt. It's a high liability area. And many times we see that the stairs are not evenly spaced. You might have a 7-inch high step, then an 8-inch high step, and back to a 7-inch high step. Most of the time I see stair problems on the outside where stairs have crumbled or broken. They've been repaired sort of haphazardly. I see stair problems on the interior. This is especially true at the basement stairs at the highest step. Many times people build up the kitchen floor with half inch of a wonder board and a quarter inch, three-eighths inch of, uh, of tile. And that makes the whole top step about three-quarters to an inch higher. That's a possible uh, fall hazard. You really? know, that's so funny when you mention that. I, you don't even really notice that. But if you're walking up a set of steps and there's one step that's a different height... It is so easy. You'll find yourself tripping over it all the time, and you won't even realize because our body's, you know, figuring seven inch, seven inch, seven inch, seven inch. You hit that eight inch one at the top, and it's a, it's a. I've, I've, I've had, and I've also had building inspections on concrete steps on the outside come back and make us redo steps because they didn't, they didn't have a consistent height. So yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, exactly. Well, before we finish up this question, we'll come back to it. We're about to take another quick break, and then we'll be right back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Maple Knoll Village is proud to support programming on WMKV. 
Maple Knoll Village, a continuing care retirement community, offers a variety of living accommodations so residents can have all the fun without the fuss. Dining venues, social activities, security, and care are only just a small portion of what you'll find. More information on how you can live life at Maple Knoll Village is available at 513-782-2717. That's 513-782-2717. Tours are available. And we check now on traffic, and we have one accident. It's located on Hamilton Avenue near 275. It's the only spot right now. As far as accidents, we do have delays. North 71 at the Lateral, South 71 at Reading, North 75 at Hopple, again at Mitchell, and again at GE to 275, and South 75 between Desert Charles and the Brent Spence Bridge. Cloudy skies this evening. Could get a little more rain, a 40% chance. Tonight's low 52 degrees. And then a 30% chance of rain tomorrow, but mostly in the afternoon. Uh, tomorrow's high 68. The dry days, for the most part, will be Friday and Saturday, with highs Friday in the mid-70s uh, and Saturday upper 70s, and then Sunday chance of rain with a high around 80 degrees. It's 58 degrees right now here at 89.3 WMKV. Real-life real estate investing continues after this. Support comes from Paul R. Rigney & Associates. With over 21 years' experience in personal financial services, Paul Rigney specializes in asset preservation strategies. Clients who chose the conservative strategies did not lose during the recent market downturn. More information or to schedule an appointment with Paul R. Rigney & Associates at 792-9200. Hi, and welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing with Jim Shapiro filling in for Vena Jones-Cox. I've, silly me, I forgot to provide the phone number for people wanting to call in and ask questions. Uh, in the Cincinnati area, please call us at 513-772-9658. And toll free from outside the area, you can call us at one 772 We'd love to have uh, your calls, so please uh, call in with any questions you may have. So my guest today is Ferd Flick, uh, an experienced home investor. We've been talking about different topics related to home home inspections. Uh, we were just talking about some things that people missed when we took that last break. So let's go back to that question, Ferd. What are some other areas that you see investors missing over and over when they inspect properties? Yeah, we were talking about uh, stairs when we left before. Uh, here's a plug for the RIA meeting on the first Thursday in uh, June. I'll be there giving the presentation, and I'll have pictures, uh, which is something I can't do right now. Uh, you'll also be able to see that I have a face for radio. <laughs> and a good sense of humor. Okay. Uh, railings uh, is, a, is a related topic to uh, the stairs. You know, sometimes, many times, railings are missing on steps. Uh, those should be present. For obvious reasons. I know some of the HUD standards on uh, railings have changed, and houses that for years may have had a subsidized Section 8 tenants, and they didn't ask for a railing. Now they're asking for railings uh, almost routinely on outside steps, inside steps, even if there's just two or three steps. I've been told I need to get a railing installed, so that's a good one. Yeah, and the railing standards, like you suggested, are are higher. Uh, you know, you, you used to used to be able to go to an old house, and there was one railing on the side of the step, and there's a big space under it for a child to fall through. Well, nowadays, these barricades have to be blocked off so kids don't fall over the side of the stairs. Uh, Dex is another issue that uh, people many times overlook. 
many decks are built by the homeowner. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have nothing against that. But many times the fasteners are inadequate. Where the uh, ledger board is attached to the house, many times that bolt is or bolts are too small, too, too small of a diameter. Uh, when they use joist hangers, many times the nails are inadequate. Using roofing nails in a joist hanger is entirely inadequate because the heads are thin and they break off easily. There's a special nail made for joist hangers, and that's what should be used. Sometimes the members themselves are undersized in order to save material cost, and you have a deck that is not going to support possibly uh, a large load of people. There are, are multiple deck uh, disasters around the United States every year, and people get hurt, sometimes even killed by a, a deck collapsing. I remember looking at a house in Price Hill. Uh, there was a deck off what the backyard was sloped way down, so it was pretty much two stories up. And the entire support was about three four-by-fours. And we were looking at that when we were doing a home inspection with one of the RIA home inspection tours. And this was actually the house next door to one of the houses we were looking at. And we were all just dumbfounded. If you had 15 or 20 people on that deck, it was a big deck. Uh, those four-by-fours were not going to hold up a big crowd of people. And that's when you hear about these horrible accidents and people falling and getting really injured. So that's a good one. Yes, yes. I mean, four-by-fours, if, if there's a knot in a four-by-four, that's a weak spot, and the thing could snap, and there goes the deck. So if, if a deck looks questionable, it probably is. Yeah. Have a, have a carpenter or uh, a qualified uh, contractor look at it and repair that. Another item that we see quite often is uh, uh, fi- uh, fire separations. Uh, if you have a garage, the garage should be separated from the house with uh, plaster or, or drywall. Uh, the door should be uh, a solid core door or a metal core rated for, for fire separation. Many times these doors are hollow core, which is not uh, really a, a fire de- detriment. If there's holes cut in the ceiling, for instance, uh, sometimes people do that to uh, run electrical wires or uh, insulation, and they don't patch them. So there should be a separation between the garage and the, the house. The, the door should have an automatic closer on it. And these are many times disconnected because they are inconvenient if you're carrying groceries in from outside from the car into the house. And the, the, the door always slams on your foot or something, and they just get disconnected. But they should be in place for safety. And not only for fire safety, but carbon monoxide, because uh, a car generates carbon monoxide, you know, uh, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 parts per million. And if that car is running for a while in the garage, that monoxide is going to get into the house if there is any voids in the uh, the fire separation. You know, I've had inspectors tell me I need to put a, my ceiling should be two pieces of five-eighths inch drywall for a fire boundary, not just one piece, but a, two pieces side by side. I guess that's for that purpose? Uh, co- correct. I mean, di- different areas have different requirements. In fact, in, in Kentucky for oh, years ago, I don't know when uh, it was allowed, but they didn't have a uh, any kind of a a fire separation. You'd many times see a garage car pulled right into a basement. No separation at all. I've seen that, and I've seen people pull out the separation so they can use the basement, use the garage as a workshop, and it's really a, a safety hazard. Cor- correct. Uh, another safety issue is is water heaters. Uh, many times we see a water heater. I'm thinking of a gas water heater now. Uh, the pipes going to the gas pipes going to a water heater should be the solid uh, black steel up to the uh, water heater. 
Many times we'll see a flexible connector there, which is inappropriate. Uh, on any kind of water heater, gas or electric, many times the uh, pressure relief valve, that little pop-up valve that you see on the top or the side of the water heater, there should be a, a, a tube on there which directs water down harmlessly to the floor. Sometimes that's missing. If the water heater should overheat or overpressurize, that valve is meant to blow out hot water. And if somebody's standing nearby and that get hit with the water, they're going to be, be injured. Yeah, they always tell me to put that tube down to about six inches from the floor. Correct. And it, and it should be a three-quarter inch diameter pipe. Many times we see a half-inch reducer with a half-inch pipe, and that, that's wrong, too. Uh, what about what about chimneys? What do you see in the both the flues for hot water heaters and the flues for a furnace? Okay, the, the connector to the chimney... Uh, if it's a gas appliance, is generally uh, metal. Uh, many times, and this happens many times when somebody finishes off their basement, if you have a water heater flue, a metal flue, it's a single-walled pipe, that should have six inches of clearance to any combustible items. Uh, that would be uh, framing, for instance. Uh, many times when a person fig- finishes off their basement, they'll bring the wall up too close to the, uh, the flue. There is such a thing called a B vent, a double-walled vent. That needs a one-inch separation. So if you're going to uh, cut down the separation between the uh, water heater flue or furnace flue and, uh, and framing, you should investigate the proper clearances, whether it be six inches for a single-wall flue or one inch for a double-wall B vent. How do you check to make sure your chimney's drawing right? Is that something you can do as an inspector? Uh, if you're speaking of the furnace and the water heater, yes, we run the appliance, and we uh, we can do several different things. Uh, for instance, on the water heater, there's a, uh, a a draft diverter at the top of the water heater, and if you just take your hands and cup them on either side of the draft diverter, don't touch it, though. If you feel uh, uh, hot air coming out, it's backdrafting. You might see scorch marks on the water pipe, which indicates backdrafting. Backdrafting is when the Flue gases come back into the house rather than go up the chimney like they're supposed to. Um, if you have a mirror, uh, a small uh, little mirror, hold that up near the uh, the flue. You might see some fogging on that. Well, that's moisture, water vapor in the flue gas. That means backdrafting. You can hold the mirror up towards the uh, or at the uh, the uh, entrance into the water heater. This is near the bottom now, uh, where the uh, where you go to light the light the pilot. Um, when you have to uh, light up, light up, blown out pilot light, there shouldn't be any backdrafting at that point. So, flue gases coming back into a into the house is 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 not appropriate at all. A safety issue, and a similar thing with furnaces. You can check that at the draft diverter or, or the draft hood uh, by with a mirror with your hands, or even hold a uh, a, a match up to it and see if the match blows out. I'll tell you a little story I had once. I had a home inspection at a house in Madisonville, and the uh, inspector got down there the the hot water heater, and he uh, he actually lit a cigarette and he held it up, pulled the pipe out and held it to see if the smoke got drawn up. No smoke really got drawn up into the chimney, and he told me to have the flue cleaned, the chimney cleaned. So I called a chimney cleaning service, and they called me back when they were at the house a couple of weeks later and said. Uh, Mr. Shapiro, we're having a problem. We can't find a chimney on this roof. And uh, what had actually happened is someone had renovated that house, had finished the attic into a bedroom, 
and had cut the chimney for the the flue for the hot water heater. It was a different chimney that was servicing the furnace, and uh, they just cut it off, and and now the all the gases were venting into the house. Luckily, that inspector caught that. I replaced the hot water heater with the electric hot water heater, uh, and I you know so I could have I could have had a tenant die. Uh, the house was getting filled up with carbon monoxide every time the hot water heater was running. It was venting into the second floor eaves and probably coming back down into the bedroom. So, yeah, those are good things to check. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you'll have a newer gas appliance connected to an old uh, chimney. Sometimes the old chimney uh, is too uh, big for the appliance, and sometimes because of that you'll get backdrafting because oh. the inside of the flue is not heating up fast enough to allow the gases to escape up into the, uh, the atmosphere. So that's sometimes a problem, and that can be corrected by the uh, the heating contractor. All right. Uh, a house is a pretty complicated thing. There's a lot of details to understand. If an investor wants to learn a lot more about how to become a good inspector, are there classes they could take? Well, I would suggest RIA, for one. Okay. Uh, come to the June 2nd meeting. We'll show you pictures and talk about uh, defects and identify different items in a house. Uh, RIA also sponsors uh, training. We have, I believe, the Ugly House Tour. Right, Ugly House Tour is coming okay. up. Uh, sure, exactly. I'll see if I can look up the date for that while we're talking here. We have another one of our RIA members who teaches a rehabbing class. Uh, of course, there's vocational schools around town where you can go and learn different things about electrical, heating, air conditioning, et cetera. So I would suggest starting with Rhea. What is the process it takes to actually become a home inspector? What kind of, uh, someone wants to go through a training course for that, what does that entail? There are various ways to do it. There are more and more schools around the country that uh, teach people to uh, be a home inspector. When I first started in 1989-90, I went to a school out in, uh, in Washington, D.C., spent two weeks out there. Uh, with some experienced inspectors. I, after the two weeks were finished, I said, I am not qualified to do this work. So I went and took more training at uh, Diamond Oaks or Great Oaks, whatever the, the school was exactly. I don't know about heating, air conditioning, and electrical. And after some time, I got the confidence enough to say, I, I have enough knowledge now. Also attending American Society of Home Inspectors standard meetings and seminars, I picked up a lot of information. So uh, it, it's... It's a process. Um, you can you can do it various different ways, and okay. it, you always learn something. You never you never stop. All right. Uh, well, we're about to take a one final break before we have our last segment of the show. So we'll be back in a few minutes with real life real estate investing. If you have questions to call in, please call us at five one three seven seven two nine six five eight or toll free from outside the Cincy area at eight seven 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 two. Nine six five eight. Join the celebration in luxury as WMKV cruises the Ohio River in style aboard the Satisfaction 2 yacht Thursday, June 9th. There are still seats remaining for the evening cruise. It's our members-only cruise Thursday, June 9th. You'll enjoy a cruise that takes you downriver to see the Cincinnati and northern Kentucky skylines. And it includes open bar, a lavish buffet, and two decks of sightseeing, fun, and friends. 
You'll be on with other WMKV listeners on this exclusive and exquisite cruise on the Satisfaction 2 Yacht. Each all-inclusive ticket is $120 per person for the evening cruise and directly supports WMKV. So call today to reserve your tickets, singles, couples, or even a table of friends or family. Once again, you can order at 513-782-2427 or online at wmkvfm.org. And we'll see you on the river June 9th with WMKV. And we check on traffic right now. We uh, still have that accident in Hamilton at 275. I can tell you it's in the southbound lanes of Hamilton at 275. Also just added an accident in the 4000 block of Delhi Road. And we have delays north 71 at Smith Edwards, south 71 Reading off and on to the Lytle, north 75 at Mitchell, and south 75 between Lachlan and Paddock, and again in Ezra Charles to the Brent Spence Bridge. Your forecast tonight, a 40% chance of some more rain. Tonight's low 52 degrees. Tomorrow, a slight chance of rain in the afternoon, otherwise cloudy with a high of 68. Dry and cloudy on Friday, dry and cloudy for the most part on Saturday, just a slight chance of rain late Saturday and then a uh, 30% chance of showers on Sunday. Highs gradually creeping up every day, uh, mid-70s tomorrow, and then uh, upper 70s on Friday into the uh, low 80s on Saturday, and then around 80 on Sunday as well. But we're still at 58 right now here at 89.3 WMKV. Hi, this is Jim Shapiro, and welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We've had a couple of questions come in. Uh, so over the internet, and let me uh, let's see. The first one here, uh, I think it gets to the issue when you're selling a house as an investor. Sometimes home inspectors are, we sometimes call them deal killers. Uh, how should I deal with a buyer hired or a real estate agent recommended home inspector who comes in and negatively dissects a home that we just updated? It's renovated. It's a nice condition. Uh, I I find inspectors often f- coming up with needs for expensive repairs without any real basis in the safety or habit- habitability of the home, and often we're dealing with first-time home buyers. They're they're nervous already, and the home inspectors can sometimes leave them just you know fearful and 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 walking away from the opportunity. Well, first of all, and I would use my house that I live in right now as an example. There's no perfect house. Every every house has defects, as much as we might think it's it's everything's good. There's always something somebody's going to find. On the other hand, an inspector is always going to miss something too, because there are things behind walls, etc., that you can't see. So how to deal with it? Um, ed- educate your buyer before the inspector comes through. Uh, tell them that there may be things that are found by the inspector. If there are, we'd like to discuss them with you. Uh, sometimes it may just be a discussion on why this thing is working like this. This inspector uh, may be looking at things from a different viewpoint. Uh, standards change. Uh, this is especially, especially true with steps. Um, you know, you might have an old uh, stairs up to a second floor where the railing balusters are spaced about six inches apart. Well, today's standards are four inches. You can't expect somebody to upgrade a house uh, with a whole new railing, so... Sometimes there's an explanation for things may not that may not just be uh, kosher for the inspector. So try to find out why and try to forewarn your 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 home buyer what the situation might be. So if if the inspector finds something, it's not such a shock. 
my experience is investors, excuse me, inspectors, if they won't feel like they've done their job if they haven't identified a list of concerns. And the question is, like you said, I think uh, managing the expectations of the buyer that there's going to be some things. And the question is, how do you prioritize them? Are they uh, critical issues that might, you know, justify not buying a house? Are they issues that every house has? I have a brick house. There's a lot of a lot of cracks and tuck pointing needed. I know I need to do that. It's also not, a, you know, the house isn't falling apart. Uh, and then there's, you know, things that are really not an issue that may be a maintenance item that needs to get taken care of over time. I, I've seen inspectors, you know, kind of treat them all the same, and that can really scare a buyer. Yeah, there, there should be a differentiating between something that's, that's a mecha- uh, maintenance item versus a problem that is of a serious nature, such as a safety issue uh, versus cosmetic. We as inspectors, at least I don't deal with cosmetic issues. I'm not concerned with what color the walls are or what kind of old wallpaper is on the, on the, uh, on the, on the uh, walls or the color of your carpeting. It's more of a maintenance. We, we point out maintenance items, but bear in mind that maintenance is something that's going to have to be an ongoing process and differentiating them from the serious items. Now, here's a good question from an investor perspective. How can I use the services of an experienced property inspector to actually make me more money than it would cost to do the inspection, of course, and, and can increase the value of the transaction for my for myself and, and for my buyer? I'm not sure how you would get more money out of the deal because of that. Um, if you had a pre-inspection, you might be able to head off some... Uh, concerns of an inspection being done later uh, that might mean money in your pocket uh, you may so not. a pre-inspection would be the seller paying for an inspection bef- you know that they can share with a, a buyer uh, correct correct exactly okay. uh, do you see that being done very commonly I rarely see that you know I'm, I've probably done seven eight thousand seven or eight thousand inspections and I might have done a half dozen uh, pre-inspections for homeowners. I always figure if I'm buying and I want an inspection, I should pay so that inspector's working for me. If he's working for the seller, uh, his responsibilities are to support the seller and not me as the buyer. So, okay. That's Uh, true, yes. What about when it comes to uh, doing due diligence on a commercial property? Is the same kind of home inspector able to do an inspection for a commercial transaction, or is that really a different specialty or a different skill set? That is probably a different skill set. I had a request just two weeks ago for a commercial inspection. It was a large uh, building, uh, mostly empty space, uh, a, a grocery store, and I turned it over to another inspector that I that I know who does okay. commercial inspections. So it's really a, a separate, just like commercial appraisers are different from residential. Same. Right, right. It's, it's different skill set, yes, different uh, uh, approach. So what are the tools that an investor might wish to bring along when they do an inspection? Are there things that you recommend they have with them? Uh, when you're going through originally on your own, I'd recommend a couple items to take with you. Oh, a notepad to take down some notes, of course, and a checklist. 
which you can get from the RIA website. Uh, flashlight, a good flashlight. Uh, bright, something that has more than two cells in it, or a rechargeable mag light or stream light. Uh, a probe or a screwdriver to poke around at different suspected areas that you think might be rotted or deteriorated. I'd recommend an electrical tester. Now, I do not recommend that you uh, open up any electrical panels or take any chances, uh, mess with anything that might be damp or wet or suspicious. But if you see a three-hole out, three outlet in the house, you can take this tester, which is about $10, $15, plug it in, see if the wires are correctly done. A small mirror comes in handy sometimes to uh, see things that are, might be around the corner, uh, for instance, into a furnace flue, for instance. Uh, that's pretty much it. All right, we've just got a couple minutes left here, so let me, before I ask you a last question, let me remind everyone, uh, tomorrow night, uh, Cincinnati Rhea is having our annual vendor night at the receptions on Loveland Road in Loveland. Uh, we have a great event every year. We have 40, 50 uh, vendors there. We've got hundreds of people come out. It's probably our biggest event of the year. Uh, great networking. A uh, great opportunity to uh, learn a lot of things and, and meet a lot of potential uh, vendors we use in our various work. Uh, tomorrow night, 6 to 9, uh, at receptions in Loveland. Uh, secondly, uh, Ferd will be speaking at the June 2nd RIA meeting at the Community Action Agency in Bond Hill. That's near the corner of Redding and Langdon Farms, uh, next to the old Swifton Commons. Uh, we welcome uh, guests are welcome. Come uh, learn about our organization. Uh, learn about the the networking and the services that we offer. It's a great way to get involved with real estate investing, get a lot of education. So as a last question, Ferd, uh, what are the other things you would say a typical investor buyer needs to know about home inspections that we may not have covered today? Well, I guess I might mention things that are not part of a home inspection. Uh, cosmetic issues are not typically part of a home inspection, these being paint, uh, carpet color, etc., wallpaper, uh, types of cabinets, etc. Uh, engineering is not part of our inspection. We don't do radon or termite, but these are all additional inspections. Typically, we don't do a cost of repairs in a home inspection, but since I'm an investor and if I know the cost and I'm requested to provide cost, I'll verbally indicate what the cost might be for a repair or re replacement. And we don't uh, see through walls, etc. So You don't have x-ray vision? Well, I, I did at one time, but I kind of <laughs> lost that since I'm getting older. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. Well, I think we're uh, wrapping up tonight. Uh, Ferd, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, audience out there across the, uh, across the nation, we're thrilled to have you every week on Real Life Real Estate Investing. Uh, Vina will be back next week. So for today, I wish you good investing and be well.